<clears throat> now we come to our message for this morning, and I'll begin by reading. I have here in front of me the brief scripture passages that I'll be drawing from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so, hear God's word as I read from first from Matthew 26, 26 through 29. Matthew 26, 26 through 29. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Next, Mark 14, 22 through 25. Mark 14, 22 through 25. And as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and break it and gave to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine till that, until that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And then finally, Luke 22, 19 through 20. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. And the word testament here is actually the word for covenant. It's, it's a different word than the word testament, like in the book of Hebrews. Uh, places in the book of Hebrews. So, means covenant in reference to God's everlasting covenant that he has formed with his elect who come to faith in him in time and who are washed by the blood of the Lamb. So let us pray. Father in heaven, do give us understanding that we might understand your holy word and especially this portion of it that speaks upon an institution that you made for your church. And Lord, we know that that is the rule for your church. That is one of the means of grace for your church. And for this, we give you thanks. And it is, as it is an audiovisual aid, as it were, to remind us of what the scriptures vociferously and, and thoroughly proclaim. And that is the finished work of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. As I said, uh, the institution, or as I prayed, is Christ's. He had two things that he instituted, and that was baptism and the Lord's Supper. And we'll begin to get into that in our Bible study later. The Passover meal upon which the Lord's Supper is based was an Old Testament sacrament that commemorated God's saving work amongst the Hebrews during the rule of Pharaoh in Egypt. And uh, later we'll read about that from Exodus uh, 12. 
The last Passover meal was a very special one to our Lord, as this symbolically commemorated what was before him. As is said in Luke 22, that uh, <clears throat> comes before what we read in verse 14 and 15. In Luke 22, 14 and 15. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him, and he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. This is a special meal, just like uh, any special event uh, in which you, uh, the whole family, as it were, even the family of the church, gathered together to commemorate uh, some special event that has come, or even one that is to come, like, for example, Thanksgiving, thanking the Lord for uh, what has uh, happened, God's good providence over the past year, and then anticipating also what is to come in the year following. Or our, what we used to celebrate for New Year's, commemorating uh, God's blessing of a new year. He knew his death was imminent. He said, before I suffer. He was with his loved ones. As, he alluded, as it was alluded to, even in an earlier place by the Apostle John, when it states, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them even unto the end. And on this occasion, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper to replace Passover. Both are similar in that both are signs and seals of God's covenant of grace, of God's everlasting covenant. And a sign, by the way, is something that tells you where to go. So it's something that happens that points to something or to a place or to a person, in this case to Christ and to Calvary. A seal is something that makes it personal, something that makes it yours and mine. And that is why the supper is not to be given just to anyone, and especially if you don't know that you are a child of God. What is the Lord's Supper? First, it is a proclamation. It is like the gospel, a declaration of the work of Christ. He said, this is my body. Of course, that wasn't his body. His body was, was himself. He was saying that this symbolized my body. This signified uh, me and what would happen to me shortly hereafter. This is my blood. This symbolizes what would be shed on the cross of Calvary for the remission of your sins who believe in me. It's like the emancip Emancipation Proclamation, which proclaimed that all slaves at the time of the end of the Civil War were officially set free. This would be like that. If the sun shall make you free, you shall be free indeed, he taught. And it is a proclamation that by our partaking, we proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. It's just like 
whenever there would be a koinonia, a fellowship around a meal in a home. And people knew that was going on, especially in Christ's church, whether it be in the synagogue or whether it be in someone's home. That itself was a sign pointing men to the light of the world that has come into our lives, that has come into our homes and have made our homes households of faith. His death, represented by his broken body and by his shed blood, was indeed for our sins who believe. He said, this is my body which is given for you. This is my blood which is shed for you. Very personal. The Apostle Paul, who happened to have heard it from the other apostles, but speaks as if he was there at that Last Supper, which was, of course, the, the Last Supper of our Lord, said similarly, and when he had given thanks, referring to the Lord, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. That's in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-four, In verse 25, after the same manner in which he also took the cup, when he had supped, he said, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Isn't that amazing? So that's like a confirmation. That's like a second witness. It doesn't need two, but two or three seals it. There's one basic reason we won't keep the Lord's Supper. And I'm not speaking about ignorance or speaking about indolence or speaking about some uh, uh, reason that's just part of our um, having dropped the ball. There's only one basic reason we won't keep that, whether we're speaking about the church or speaking especially about individual individuals who constitute the church, and that is if we are not Christ's. There are those who don't partake of the Lord's Supper, or when the Lord's Supper is about to be celebrated, they're not to be seen. And yet that is the, if you're, you're going to make it to any meeting, that's the meeting you need to make it to, as it were. And I'm not saying don't come to the other meetings, of course. Okay? But it is that important. It is that significant. But if we believe the gospel that we are Christ's, and that he suffered and died for our sins... We will keep the Lord's Supper because that is a remembrance. That is like some of these things that are precious to us, that when there's a fire that's about to take over our house, like what almost happened, didn't happen, in Spring Valley where, where we lived back in 2006, I believe it was. We packed everything, but you know what was the most precious of all was, was the photographs, it was all the things that were the memorabilia of our family. And for one of our sons, I won't tell you which one, it was also his stuffed animals. <laughs> Other things could be spared, even, you know, food, uh, you know, necessities, but not your memorabilia. We, and, and doing so, in our proclaiming, by our celebrating the Lord's Supper, we also proclaim our faith in the Lord's return. As I think I've already uh, quoted, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. So that means that it's to be celebrated till he comes back. Why keep the Lord's Supper if we don't believe he will come back? Right? But if we do keep it, it's to show that we do believe that he will return. And not only that, but he'll return for his bride. And not only that, because I am part of the bride of Christ. 
And I'm holding steadfast to that by faith because of the work of Christ. Secondly, what is the Lord's Supper? It is a memorial. A memorial, it says in Luke 22, in that uh, pericope. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Like the last Passover feast which Jesus commemorated with his, his 12. You know about that? You ever read about that? Maybe it's been a while or you haven't. In either case, let's turn to Exodus 12. And I'd like to read verses 1 through 14. This is, the, this is foundational to the Passover. And the Passover is the Old Testament's version of the New Testament's <clears throat> supper instituted by our Lord. So Exodus chapter 12, 1 through 14. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. So that's when the calendar started for them. And you will see why? Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall you eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. There it is. And you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Notice, it is the Lord's Passover. And 
Why is it called the Passover? Because it is symbolic of God's passing over them when he sees the blood on the lintels and doorposts of their homes. And when he sees the blood, he says, I will pass over you. And the plagues that I have with me will also go with me upon Egypt. And this is what the Holy God said at Calvary. He said, See, when I see the blood, I will pass over you who are covered by it. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. And did it happen? That's a good question. Did it happen? It just says that it's going to happen. But did it happen? Well, if you go back to Exodus 12, 40 through 42, it says... In Exodus 12, 40 through, 40 through 42. Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 430 years. That's how long they were in the land of Egypt, away from the promised land. That's how long they were finally held captive in, his, in, in Egypt and, and were seeking to escape captivity from Egypt. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, even the selfsame day, it came to pass that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It doesn't speak here directly of the angel of death. It does elsewhere. That's for another time, for you to find it and, and to read, I trust. Notice 42. It is a night to be much observed unto the Lord for bringing them out from the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord to be observed of all the children of Israel in their generations. And you know what was the straw that broke the camel's back, as it were, was when the angel of death invaded not only the houses of many, if not a majority of the Egyptians, but into Pharaoh's house itself. And that was when Pharaoh was broken, broken enough to say, let those people go. So it did happen as God said it would. And boy, was it a night to be remembered. Wow. You can only imagine. The only thing that tops it for, for us personally and situationally and existentially is the judgment day. As with our Lord on the cross. The Apostle John records uh, our Lord's night on the cross when he said, He then having received the saw, and that was who? Judas Iscariot at the table, at the Lord's table, went immediately out, and it was night. Look it up. Let's look it up. John 13.30. What a, what a statement. <laughs> it's incredible how God comes up with these, these memorable statements. So, John 13.30. Just so that you know it's in your Bible too, okay? 
John 13, 30. He then had me receive the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. And it was night. Our Lord said in the Gospel of John, which is for the most part a commentary of the last few months, if not weeks, of his life, declared in John 9, 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can. And that is in particular reference to our Lord and Savior himself. And so the Passover was a memorial commemorating Israel's deliverance from Egypt through the blood of the lambs that were spread on the doorposts of every believer's home. On Memorial Day, and I'm speaking about, you know, our national holiday, we remember our fallen soldiers, do we not, who died for our nation, and, and that's the proper thing to do. Veterans Day, another day of celebration for the living soldiers, but Memorial Day for our fallen soldiers and their fallen comrades. On the Lord's Day Supper, which is once every two months now for us, we remember Jesus, our commander-in-chief, who died for his people on the cross. It says in Hebrews 2, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man, for it became him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. You recall the saying, remember the Alamo, or remember Pearl Harbor? There's still a memorial out there. The last time I went to Hawaii, I always make sure I stop at the USS Arizona, because it is a memorial that has been left intact with the remains of those that died in that ship still down there in that watery grave. What do we mean when we say memorial? Do we not mean that we remember the great sacrifice that was made in our behalf by our American soldiers. And that's why we should always pray for them, as, as I endeavor to do even today. How about remember Calvary? The Lord says, remember me in my sacrifice, in my, in my supper. Remember me in my sacrifice. And don't forget me. So the Lord's Supper is an aid to our natural propensity to forgetfulness. And lastly, the Lord's Supper is a communion. It is a communion. In 1 Corinthians 10, 16, I'm turning back to it again. We read. <clears throat> blessing which we bless is it not the communion of the blood of Christ the bread which we break is it not the communion of the body of Christ you know what that word means communion <clears throat> well we have an idea about what it means right but it actually is the word for fellowship koinonia and it means partaking together 
the Lord's Supper. And as we partake, we commune first with our Lord, and then secondly with one another. John Calvin said, The Supper is a true communion with the living Christ. And it's different than what others say about communion, by the way, such as Zwingli, a reformer, and, and, and Baptists, who uh, teach that it's more, that is just a memorial. But communion, uh, especially when they want to go against the teachings of Roman Catholicism, which make the very elements to become his actual body and blood, and the mass that celebrates the Holy Eucharist to be a re-sacrificing or re-crucifying of Jesus. They want to avoid that, so in their propensity to go in the opposite direction, they, they make it plain and simply just a memorial, but not communion. Well, the communion speaks of covenant. Remember I said covenant is union and communion with God. We commune also with one another as members of Christ's body. It says, it goes on to say in verse 17, For we being many are one bread and one body. We are all partakers of that one bread. And so the Lord's Supper has the purpose also of reinforcing and strengthening our unity each time we break bread and take of the wine together. In the Heidelberg Catechism, question 76, I'd like to read it for you. What doth, does it mean to eat the crucified body and drink the shed blood of Christ? Now, we're not actually drinking and eating those things as, as some purport to do, like the Roman Catholic Church teaches, but by faith or spiritually, by the Holy Spirit. It says in answer to that question, what does it mean to eat the crucified body and drink the shed blood of Christ? It means not only to embrace with a believing heart all the sufferings and death of Christ, and thereby to obtain the forgiveness of sins and life eternal, but moreover, also to be so united more and more to his sacred body by the Holy Spirit, who dwells both in Christ and in us, that although he is in heaven and we on earth, we are nevertheless flesh of his flesh and bones of his bones, and live and are governed forever by one spirit, as members of the same body are governed by one soul. There you have it in our Heidelberg Catechism. And there's supporting verses to that. Now, again, I mentioned the Roman Catholic teaching on transubstantiation, where uh, the bread actually becomes his body and the, and the wine becomes his blood. There's also the, the Lutheran view. And I, I thought I'd just throw this out here for good measure that you might uh, understand the spiritual significance of this supper. They teach consubstantiation, the Lutherans do. And that is that. Christ's actual body is, quote, unquote, in, with, and under the bread and the wine, unquote. Um, our view is that the living Christ is present through the person of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us and in his church. Call it the spiritual presence of Christ. And there are scriptures that, that teach that, first of all, that the Spirit of God is also the Spirit of Christ, such as in Romans 8 and 9. Now, if any man had not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Also, 
in the words of our Lord in John 14, 16 through 18, where he says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter. Comforter has the meaning of someone who will come alongside you, as I have. But now I'm, I'm, I'm going to my Father, that he may abide with you forever. And may I add also, dwell in you. Or he goes on to say, Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you forever. John 14, 16 through 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. In the person of the Holy Spirit, I will come back to you. Or I will remain with you, however the case may be. So we come to the end of this study, and I uh, might remark by saying that the Lord's Supper, as we would uh, usually call it, has been called the Lord's Table, but also been called Communion. That's what I grew up with in the Roman Catholic Church. We were going to have Communion. But that's not the, the whole picture. But certainly without that aspect, without that Communion with God, it's... It's bare bones uh, memorial service, as it were. And you know, uh, uh, it is more than that. Because the one who died is someone very personal and very real in our lives. And it should not be taken lightly. And if you are Christ, you should want to be there to be part of it and not to be away at that time. You should consider what the scriptures have to teach about it as we have considered. And be reminded that it is not to be observed apart from the preaching of God's word. That's another thing. And that is why we hear God's word and then we proceed to have the Lord's Supper. So, what have we learned? <clears throat> that the Lord's Supper is a proclamation of the gospel. It is a memorial to remember our fallen Lord and Savior who has now risen from the dead and a communion of Jesus and his people. And let us be thankful for such a blessing as this. Shall we pray? Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for the work of your Son, Jesus Christ, which is displayed before us in the elements of this supper that we are shortly to partake of. And may, Lord, our hearing about it serve to refresh us and enliven us to the reality that is here before our eyes. Oh Lord, how important it is to know you in truth. How important it is to be taught by your Holy Spirit. And so thank you, Lord, for your being with us. And now, Lord, for this message that hopefully will be winged into our hearts by your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ.